Welcome back, folks. Today, we've got another great episode because our guest, Brian Whiten, is a busy guy who's doing some cool stuff in real estate. So Brian is a uh, a full-time, more than a full-time truck driver by trade and a real, real estate entrepreneur at night. <laughs> it is off hours and doing some interesting stuff. So Brian, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate you having me. All right. So we were talking a little bit off air that you kind of got into this whole thing by wrangling your parents into buying a property. So walk us through how you directly or indirectly got involved in real estate investing. So at the time that was into it, uh, 2018. And at the time I was driving from New Hampshire to New York every day, straight down, straight back. How, how long of a drive was that just for those, those of us that haven't done it? Yeah, it was four hours each way. Okay. And I spent all that time basically consuming content on real estate, finance, and that sort of thing. Smart. So podcasts so, and whatnot and CDs yep. and whatever you had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so I talked my parents into buying a fourplex in Northern New Hampshire. Okay. And that I would manage it for them. Ah. And so I took now, were you were you gonna fee. have part were you gonna have part ownership in that? Were you gonna have a an equity stake in that deal or what was uh, the, the property management? The plan was that that I would be the owner once they moved on, so to speak. Got it. So I've <laughs> said yeah. Uh, that's that's part of the inheritance plan, I guess. Yeah. Mom mom and dad wanted something to to be able to leave to my sister and myself. And that was the initial plan. So okay. uh again, that was 2018. And then kind of fast forward up to 2020 when our friend COVID came into play. Yeah. And up in our area, we had uh, crazy price spikes, as did a lot of people. Yeah. And during that, so at that, right about that peak, that also combined with some, we'll say, annoying or difficult to deal with tenants. <laughs> so, uh, I so you weren't it, having you weren't having any more fun <laughs> managing well, that would, property. So I was about an hour away from the property, and yeah. I would go up every weekend to try to fix something. Yeah. And in the 1920s property, wow. You know, wow. when something went to get fixed, it would get broken, and it would snowball from there. Got so it. my first call was to the realtor to find out what we'd be able to sell it for. My second call was to dad and said, I think it's time we sell. And within two weeks of those phone calls, um, they had a above offer cash price that put a, a mid five figure check in their hands after, after the two times cleared. of seeing the property. Yeah. Two times of seeing the property. Once the day that they closed on it, they drove by it and once to buy it. And then once the day that they closed on it to sell it, they drove by it again to kind of say, wave, wave goodbye, <laughs> wave exactly. goodbye and said, our son, Brian's a pretty smart guy. Exactly. So at, as a son, that was one of the better things uh, that I was able to do for them. And I was very grateful for that. It made up for some of those teenage years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So there you are. You're, you're managing the, the fourplex for a number of years until COVID hits and you're still driving back and forth lots of hours to listen to, to stuff on yep. uh, about real estate investing. What did you decide to jump in yourself when it comes to real estate? My first venture on my own was mortgage notes. 
I was consuming a lot of that content yeah. and uh, basically went to an uncle that had some funds. Yeah. And I said, I can offer you 8% interest on, I think we're, we're under a three-year note at this point. And my attempt, you know, my goal was to buy some mortgage notes that I might be making 12 or 15% on, you know, performing something fairly secure. And uh, he was more than happy to, to assist me in that. So that was my initial venture as nice. well. If you as, don't mind me asking, how much did yeah. your, your uncle invest with you to get started with that? That was 20,000. Okay. 20,000. So yeah, not, not a huge one, but a good one to get started with in, in that. And what, uh, what kind of notes were you able to get with that? And <clears throat> did you offer your uncle any security or was it more of a promissory type thing that you were doing with him? It was, it was a promissory note. And the idea was to, um, so he he had no security except my trust, you know that yeah. <laughs> that he, I he knew where to find you. Fulfill it exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, so it was just promissory note and interest only payments. And my first notes were a couple of small, smaller balance uh, contract for deeds. So okay, so for those of us that that aren't super familiar with that, what is a contractor deed? <clears throat> so a contract for deed is. If I owned a property and wanted to sell it to you, we would have a contract that you would make payments to me, but the deed wouldn't transfer until you fulfilled the terms of the contract. Okay. And then when you have that package, me as the original contract holder can then sell those and sell the interest and in, sell that note for the contract for deed. I give up all interest in the property and the purchaser then receives the payments, has to abide by all the terms of the contract. And so at this point, you now own the property because you've bought the contract for deed. Is that how that works? You, you technically don't own it. Yes. The deed is in your name. Yeah. You have all rights to the deed, uh, but they still have a financial interest in it because they have a contract that they're under. So what, what kind of properties in. were these? Just because I'm not familiar with this. So sure. The first one was uh it was a property in Gary, Indiana. And like that just one ended raw up, land or a house? Uh, no, or? that that actually that one was a house. Okay. And that one ended up being not as performing as I was hoping it would be. So that one's still kind of hovering around. Okay. <clears throat> and then from <laughs> from there I moved on to to uh, two properties that were performing on raw land, one just south of Houston and one in Florida. And those have been paying. And one of them actually is about ready to pay off in, in a couple months. And uh, that particular one was actually a 0% interest rate for the borrower. Yeah. So for, for me to get a return on my money, I needed to buy it at a, at a significant discount to. Um, to so realize. Yeah, forgive me for asking sure. this, Brian, just because it's no, kind of no. this is kind of new for me. So I'm sure it's kind of new for some of the other listeners as well. So, yep. if you don't mind, walk yep. me through how that kind of deal works. So, we've got the property owner; they own the property. We've got the property buyer; they want to buy yep. the property. The agreement they have 
is a contract for deed. So it's not, it's not really the owner uh, having the first mortgage on the property. It's, it's a contract to get the deed at the one, once the final payments made, then the deed transfers to the buyer. Correct. Am I following Correct. that right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. And some, some states, um, and yeah, so some states call it a land contract. Some call it a contract for deed. Right. So each state might have and, a different and agreements name, for sale. I've heard that up here. Yep. So now and I'm yes, getting my head. Yes, All sir. right, perfect. We got yep. got the same lingo going. So basically, the way that works is, um, <clears throat> let's say for example, let's let's walk through this example you said, where sure. the seller sold the property, raw land in this case. What was the sale price on that property? Um, I believe. I don't remember exactly, but I want to say, say it was $12,000 was the unpaid balance, meaning that's what the borrower still owes. Still owes lender. on the contract, however long it's Correct. been going for. Okay, Correct. so let's say it's 12 grand just for simple yep. math. The buyer, the original buyer and the seller agreed on principal only payments, basically is what I'm understanding. There's 0% Correct. interest on this deal. Correct. Okay, so- the buyer's paying three or 400 bucks a month for however long to pay that off. Yep. And the seller decides, hey, I'd rather have a chunk of cash now than wait yep. to get all of this money over time. So they sold their contract for deed to you. But because there was 0% interest on that, you weren't going to pay 12 grand for it. It just didn't make any Correct. sense. So how Correct. much did you end up paying for that contract mm -hmm. for, for it to be worthwhile? I don't remember exactly because it's been a year or so, but somewhere in the nine to ten thousand dollar range. All right, so it's worth twelve. And, you, yeah. you paid about nine, so you you're getting a three thousand dollar discount on that. How many years, Correct. more or less, were left on on the contract? Uh, and actually, they were making eight hundred dollar a month payments. Oh wow! So it was paying off pretty quickly, yeah. and so I think it was only a total of sixteen. I don't know the math right now, yeah, but yeah. sixteen ish months, and of the eight hundred. Yeah. And so my discount on that gave me my yield. Yeah. My annual yield essentially. Pretty pretty good annual yield yes. on that one. Yes. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's only going to be a yeah. couple of like a year and a half or something like that to get that sucker paid. Exactly. Off. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's okay, why well, you know. Yeah. You could, you know, your payments will come back quick. And yeah. you know, it it ended up being being very good. Oh, that's great. Okay. Now, now yep. I got my head around it. Now I think the listeners there we go. Did it as well. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So you, you were doing a few of those kind of deals and, and then how did you start scaling things or growing things or what have you done since then? Uh, since then I've done, um, I've done some lending out of my self-directed IRA okay. also with notes and it's a Roth self-directed IRA. So that all grows tax-free. Yeah. And then recently since late last year, I got into a training program. Basically, we do more short-term uh, funding for deals. So I might, uh, if say you were a wholesaler, yeah, the only way to properly open escrow is to have some consideration, meaning an earnest money deposit to get escrow started, the mm -hmm. title process started. And a lot of, some wholesalers don't even have those funds or they may have too many deals open and then see this other very good deal. Mm -hmm. So I could joint venture with them, partner with them, 
provide some of that funding in exchange for a portion of their, of their assignment property. fee. Yeah. Very cool. So what does that typically look like? So what what size of deals are you kind of involved in? How much earnest money deposit do these wholesalers typically have to put up? Because again, for a lot of us that started a long time ago, the whole idea of wholesaling was you could get into it without any money and, you right. know, and, and a hundred bucks down or whatever <laughs> to kind of even 10 bucks down to make the 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 thing legal the but i consideration, guess consideration right yeah I, I guess the sellers are getting a lot more persnickety they are and general rule of thumb is about one percent of your uh purchase price okay so, so still 000. not huge numbers though yeah right? so, no definitely not huge huge numbers but so then if a wholesaler is has a, a property under contract for a hundred thousand needs a great i come in with a, i come in with a thousand for the emd yeah. And if they may, sorry, what, what does it. EMD stand for? I'm sorry, uh, earnest money deposit. Got it. So basically yeah. showing that you have good faith that you're going to continue the transaction and close the transaction. Right. And they might be marketing that contract at 125,000 because right. they get their wholesale fee. <clears throat> and then our, our agreement would be that if, since I brought in the funding, then I would get a chunk of that assignment fee and that, could be anywhere from a thousand to match my funding, uh, all the way up to you know three, four, five thousand, depending on the deal, the relationship I have with the wholesaler. So it's a it's a decent opportunity to flip some money pretty quickly. Wow, yeah, that's on the low side. You're getting a hundred percent ROI. On yeah. on the <laughs> yeah. on the high side, you're getting three or four hundred percent ROI. Right, right. And theoretically, within a few months, I guess the the challenge there might be is that it's little dribs and drabs of funding that you're talking about there, not not bigger chunks. Or what's Correct. what's the downside to it? Um, the downside is you have to be careful of uh, if there's if that wholesaler cannot sell the contract because that's what wholesaling is. You're not selling the property; you're selling the the interest in the contract. Right and so you have an inspection period, might be anywhere from 10, 15 days. And myself as the JV partner and funding partner, if we don't have a buyer by the end of that 10-day inspection, the contract needs to be canceled so my funding can get returned to me. Oh, or else. But, but you're not, but it's not, it is a refundable deposit. So you would get your money back. Dur during that inspection period. So if okay. if for some reason it went beyond that inspection period. Uh, they say money goes hard or non-refundable. Uh, right. And so then that's what, on my side of things, I have doc paperwork in place to give me the authority to cancel the contract mm -hmm. to, you know, I have a relationship with the title company. I've, I've talked to them even before I fund it, just so they understand, because it's not your normal transaction. Right. And so I want to make sure that they're on the same page as I am to, to do that process. All right. Well, very interesting. So that's all yeah. sorts of creative ways. And there's there quite a bit of demand amongst wholesalers for this kind of uh, funding. It it varies. The newer wholesalers, yes, because yeah, they don't. The pay. theory of getting they, they haven't built no up money. a war chest yet. Yeah. Right. And the the downside of that is they may not be as proficient at calculating their numbers for the deal. They might get it under contract at too high of a price. Mm. not be able to sell the contract. And then that's when my paperwork on the other side comes into play that I can then 
you know, get my funding back and, right. you know, move on to the next one or, or whatever it may be. So. Interesting. So is it, yeah. so right now, what would you say the majority of your business, your real estate investing business revolves around? Is it the earnest money, money deposit type funding for these wholesalers? Is it more along the notes? Is it a hodgepodge of a bunch of different stuff? What, where would you say the majority is right now? The majority of my focus now has been on more of like the gap lending for fix and flip uh, rehabbers. I could fund okay. their, you know, three to three to six month funding. And yeah. for those that don't know what gap lending is, if, if you're a fix and flipper and you're going to, you want to buy a house to renovate it and sell it, you might get 80% of your purchase price from a hard money lender. Yeah. So they would cover 80% of the purchase price and maybe hundred percent of your rehab, but you still need that 20% down payment essentially to, to be able to buy the property. Right. That's where I could come in for that. And those usually tend to be a three to six month process, depending on how long the renovation takes. And so my money would sit in there secured on a second lien and they would do the rehab and then either refinance if they were going to keep it as a rental. And with that refinance, I would get paid out. Or if they sell it on the MLS, then from that funding, I, I would get paid back. With and my what return. are the tip, typical kind of rates that you're charging for that kind of funding? Those, those could be anywhere from 12 to 15%, obviously, depending on usury. You know, with our states have usury laws down here, you can only charge so much annual percentage. And so some of that varies state by state deal by deal other deals i might you know come in with some funding and you know be a 50 50 partner with the person so that's paperwork on that is a little bit different uh as far as my role in that then i'd be more of a partner maybe right. some decision making opportunities and then i would end up you know getting a little bit more of a return on that yeah you get you get your money back plus 50 percent of the net profits kind of thing correct yeah that yeah. that type of thing and okay, so when you're when it, what did you say the percentage the interest rate version was? Did you say twelve percent? Those could be yeah, twelve to fifteen percent annualized. And annualized, be, okay. And yeah, are you charging and points on, on top of that as well, or not really? Is it just flat? Uh, sometimes it yeah. that depends. Um, where I get to charge points is other times if if I'm fully deployed on my funds, I may be able to connect another lender with somebody who's doing a rehab. Mm -hmm. So if I connect that money, then I would get a little, usually a couple points on the amount that I get funded for them. And who pays the points, the borrower or the lender or both? The borrower. Yeah. The, borrower. the, the yeah. lender, they usually have their, their rates that they want to make. And I don't interfere with that. Um, Cause the, the borrower essentially can roll that into his numbers, right. You know, and, and figure that all into his profits. Okay. Very cool. So just for people that aren't familiar with that, what kind of, like when you're the primary lender, what kind of money are we talking about that's usually going out for these fix and flip type deals? Um, on those, well, they've already got the 80% purchase from hard money. So I might, the 20% to me could be anywhere. I have one out right now that I only had to fund 6,000 and I've funded others that are 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. and I, I have lots of people that search out 
or that inquired to me about deals that might be the 30, $40,000 range. Right. So for that you're, same, you're focusing same on the five to 20 grand range and yep. it can go up from there. Interesting. Correct. Okay. So let's say you're fully funded out and you connect somebody else, a lender and a borrower together. Let's say it's a $20,000 loan. What, uh, how many points would you typically charge on that? Um, if it's, do you say a $40,000 loan? No, let's say 20,000, just for easy numbers. 20 on that. I would have a minimum that I would get. Yeah. Um, Cause it's gotta be on a 20 that would right. Cause yeah. two points on a 20,000 is only 400 bucks. <laughs> and you know, it's, and you're one putting your time into it. Cause I will, I would underwrite the deal just like I was going to buy it myself. Right. And then also you're making that connection of your borrower and lender. They're going to know who each other is now. Yeah. They so will, it would cut be you easy. It, it exactly. And you know, so I, I usually would have a minimum of 500 to a thousand, depending on the, the amount on of the situation. Yeah. Right. How you know, if I've done deals with the person before mm -hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Very, very cool, Brian. Interesting, interesting world that you're in. What are your plans moving ahead? You want to keep just chugging along with this or are you looking to, you're, you're looking to raise more capital to do more of this, or are you going to actually start getting into buying and holding properties yourself long-term? Uh, I would, and we'll, you and I will be having a follow-up call on this soon. <laughs> um, but as far as looking into raise capital uh, to be able to connect more of these deals, I have, uh, I've negotiated myself into some deals as far as equity that, you know, maybe it's coming up on time to replace, to cash out one of our private lenders. Mm -hmm. And so we're always looking to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, I do want to start getting my own rentals as well. And I really like the midterm rental and also the group home uh, sober living is, mm. is very good, very near and dear, dear to my heart. Yeah. And so that's probably the direction that I will be going. Interesting. So. No, I love that. I've, I've interviewed a couple of gentlemen over the last few months that, that are in that line of investing and uh, yeah, uh, they're doing really well by doing good. Yes. That's for sure. It seems, it seems yeah. very, and, very in and demand. I, right. And I have Dave also seen a handful of your episodes that deal with the student housing mm -hmm. and with two kids in college and in new England here, that's been something that we're looking at as well and to help because that would help defray that cost as well you know as far as the housing goes you know yeah. if you can own the property that they're living in it helps exactly exactly no so. that makes a lot of sense so what do you see well I've got, here's a question for you so based sure. on on your experience the last couple of years and, and i know you're still working full-time we were talking off camera that uh you know i think you're starting at four o'clock in the morning and going Correct. straight through to like three or four o'clock in the afternoon with, with work. Yes. Um, what, what kind of capital would you need to have for this to, you know, be a full-time thing doing the notes and the EMD financing and the gap financing? What, what kind of treasure chest would you need to have access to, for this to really kind of chug along and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never, I don't have the, the plan to make this a full time. Yeah. Um, my, my lovely wife who is a supporter of mine uh, does not want me to leave 
the full-time union job that has paid benefits. So very good, very smart so wife. All right. At, at at this point, I'm in no hurry to hang up the keys. Yeah. And you know, I've <clears throat> there's I'm connected to enough people that have deals that almost to say whatever I had available to me, I would be able to to put to work for people. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, you 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 kind of got it dialed in. So at this at, at this stage, like. How many hours a week are you working on your real estate investing business, give or take? That's tough to say because I may, so during my day, I'm a, a freight delivery driver. So I might do 12, 14 stops in a day in a, in a small area. And if I get a message, you know, in between stops, or I might take a call of, you know, potential investor, potential mm -hmm. lender, any, yep. anybody, uh, just to connect with somebody sometimes. And so that's sprinkled throughout the day. And without letting my employer know, that's probably a solid hour, hour and a half, maybe. That's yeah. your lunch break. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what I tell them. And then in the evenings, um, I could come home and maybe have a couple calls, you know, analyze a deal here and there. So I, I try to just sprinkle it throughout the day, but I would, yeah. I would probably say two plus hours a day, two to three hours a day. Mm -hmm. I... I'm at least thinking about it or, you know, thinking or about doing some strategies going forward or what I need to do going forward and, yeah. and, and things like that. Okay. Very, very cool, Brian. So uh, what are, what are some of the challenges you foresee moving ahead on, on your next stages, your next steps of, of real estate investing? It is, I would say almost 100% finding lenders to to supply the need because mm -hmm. the the real estate groups that i'm in online are fairly large mm -hmm. and there's lots of deal opportunities obviously not everything ends up being a deal yeah but there's lots of opportunities to look at and and so that would be that would probably be the biggest thing because then some of those deals also, even if I'm not doing the funding, I can wedge myself in and maybe get a little equity and yeah. be a part of it that, that way. So what, if you could wave the realistic magic wand, what kind of capital, pile of capital would you like to have access to that, that you could really kind of crank it up a, neg a notch or two and, and really be be doing pretty well with this, considering that obviously a, a good chunk of that's going to have to go to your investors. It's not, you're not working with, right. your, it's kind of like what you were doing with your uncle before, you know, with his 20 grand kind of thing. So, Oh, sure. Um, what, or what do you think? If, or if I had lenders that had, if I had two to 500,000 that I had access to with yeah. connections that I had or things like that, then as those deals revolve and some get paid back and, you know, the process of that with the gap lending, um, that would probably keep me fairly busy enough to, to also be able to, you know, spend yeah. time with my wife and, and, yeah, and exactly. have that family time. You know, the kids are home from college now, summer. So yeah. those things are important as well. And you have to make time for that. It can't all yeah. be, you know, real work and, 
thinking about real estate all the yeah, time. Yeah, you got to take a little, you got to <laughs> take your Sunday off or something like that. That's right, sure. right. No, I I think you're well positioned for that, Brian. I really do because you've uh, you've got proof of concept. You've done a whole variety of different kinds of deals, right? And you can you can point them out. You can show people how they worked. You can kind of you know give people the big picture overview without without teaching them everything that you've spent the last ten years learning, right? Right, um, right. <laughs> so it's it's. I don't think you're going to have that if if you follow a, a decent plan. I don't think you're going to have that much of a a challenge raising that two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Maybe not all in one fell swoop. Sure, but sure. If that were your goal over the course of let's say six to twelve months, I think that's really doable for you. Um, right. Because I'm I'm gonna I'm assuming that in your area, you guys have been there for quite a while, right? You and your family? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. We've been in, I grew up in New Hampshire. Perfect. Uh, we met out in Arizona, but now we came back and we've been in this house for 22 years. Right. So you're well connected. Uh, yep. Property values are pretty high, if I'm not mistaken, in your neck of the woods. You're so very correct. There are people <laughs> and property that have, taxes are. <laughs> yeah. There are people that have got home equity just sitting there. They got, there's people right. that have got money in their their IRAs and their, you know, Roths and all that kind of stuff that's Correct. it's not performing very well. It's just right. a matter of, you know, targeting a specific group of people who aren't already into real estate investing. Because the challenge right. is we get into these real estate groups and it becomes kind of incestuous, right? Everybody's looking yep. for money or everybody's looking for deals or, you know, it's just this kind of churn becomes right. very competitive. Right. But if you step out of that, to, out of that frenzy and into a fresh pool of people that uh, aren't doing very well with their investments and are yeah. not at all aware of the world, the the pool that you've been swimming in, then right. you can, you're, you're kind of, you're the bell of the ball, right? You don't have any competition there. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's who I need to, I've been, I never really posted a lot on my personal Facebook page about what I was doing. Yeah. And in the last few months, I've started to do that more show. I, I'll make up like, I call it a credibility piece yeah. of, you know, almost a little flyer of if I funded an EMD for a property or got funded something and I'll post that. And it's gotten some response. Good. From, well, here's, here's, a, here's some un, unsolicited advice for you. Yeah. You, the, the level that you should be trying to communicate at is as if you were talking to an average 13 year old, that's the level that the, the language should be at. Not that your, your friends and family members are dummies. Right. Right. Not at all. Right. It's just that they have no idea of what gap funding means. They have no idea right. of what EMD means. They, so I would recommend, yeah, for sure. Post be careful not to be soliciting. It's all very, yeah, educational or is what I like to call it edutaining. So if you got any kind yes. of fun <laughs> stories that you can tie in there, but really dumb it down, keep it super simple. Like you know, right. you could have one whole post just kind of explaining what does what does EMD stand for, and just kind of walk through that, right. and tell the story of you know what one of the people is that you did a joint venture with, or that you funded, or yeah. or that sort of thing. So really. Highly encourage, yeah. Keep keep the posting going for sure, 
but super simplify the language. And then also just video type stuff is, is huge because most people are consuming video these days. So if yep. you're doing the credibility thing and writing it all out, and there's a lot of numbers and data and stuff like that, that's good for analytical folks, but most folks sure. aren't. They're more, they're more into getting the gist across. So does that make sense? Right, right. It, yeah. it does. Now, are you saying like almost do a video of, you know, me underwriting the property? Well, you know, that might be kind of boring. Of pad, or... but... <laughs> yeah, no, no offense. No, or, I mean, you... no, no, no. And on a more basic level, like purchase price, this is what it would cost to fix up. This yeah. is what it would sell for. Afterwards. Something like that. Yeah. But, but again, kind of think of it like, how would you grab a 13 year old kid's attention around this? Like what would keep, okay. what would keep an average ADD kind of person <laughs> engaged in this and lots of data won't, but lots of pictures would. So okay. like if you got pictures of the property and befores and afters and all this kind yeah. of stuff, just to keep people engaged, that'll be a, a, a lot better. Or, you know, you're out and about, you're, you're yeah. driving and stuff. If you go buy a property, for example, that you've helped fund or you've had something to do with and you, you selfie yeah. yourself in there, and just oh, sure. yourself on your camera, that kind of, you know, real life type video stuff works yep. well, as long as you can kind of keep the, the information very, very basic. Okay. Understood. Yeah, man. Well, that's awesome, Brian. Hats off to you. It's, it's kind of a, thank you. Um, I know you're, you're very deeply ensconced in this whole world, but for a lot of people, this is new and different and interesting oh, yes. and something they weren't yep. very aware of. So thanks for right, right. Thanks for sharing about that. Now, if people want to connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can look me up on Facebook. It's Brian Whiten on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, they can go by at Rookie Lean Lord. So R-O-O-K-I-E-L-I-E-N-L-O-R-D. And Perfect. I post some stuff on there and feel free to message me. And I'd love to you know get on a call and chat with you. Sounds good. All right, Brian. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode.